In the cinematic sea of prequels, sequels, reboots, and reimaginings, the Movie Retakes podcast considers the merits and desires for Hollywood's new takes on our beloved movie classics. Brothers Matt and Chris Sully examine the latest retake franchises, pitch their own original retake visions, and share their love for the movies that made them. This is Big Sully. And this is Matt Snosberry Sully. I taste like how I look. I don't know how that works. I don't know what Snosberry's <laughs> tastes like. But we have a special guest with us today who hasn't been on the program in quite a while. Say hello. Hi. That's my daughter Isabel, your niece, and to all you out there, Yay. probably your favorite, Sully. <laughs> and wish she was on here more. But too bad. You mostly get us. But on this episode, you can have a third Sully. So it's very nice to have you here. Thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's keep keep all that chatter at bay. Um, she keeps it she keeps it short and simple. I like it. <laughs> Welcome everybody to our Willy Wonka episode. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look, and you'll see. Into your imagination. And be sure to subscribe everywhere you can over on Twitter and YouTube and Instagram and Twitch and all that sort of stuff because uh, we do try and put out as much info and interaction as possible with all those things, especially on Twitch. You got to join us Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. We play movie trivia. Uh, it's a lot of fun, free to play. Anybody can play on any platform, although Apple seems to have some frustrations with the iPhones, but uh, most people seem to work it out. Uh, and you get to play live with us and win some stickers. And yeah, it's it's tons of fun. And it's just being able to hang out with people and chat about all the movies and, and TV shows we love. It's just, uh, it's it's great. Uh, so join us there. Yeah, it's just an hour. It's not a huge time commitment. And, and we do have those stickers based on our previous episodes. So right now, if you come and join us, you can win stickers like our Goonies-themed movie retakes logo, Motu, Saw, Ghostbusters, Predator, uh, Monsters, Inc. And we pick anywhere from, I'd say, five to eight winners every week uh, out of, what, 40 to 50 people that play. So your odds of getting a sticker are pretty good. You don't even have to be the top scorer. We pick some random winners as well. So come on by. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is our first episode of 2022. And uh, so it's really nice to have Isabel join us here to have it a, be a family affair. And before we get into the meat of the episode, let's review these big questions which actor was almost legally blind who turned down a five pitcher contract and who chose their role because of a kiss Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. always choose because of a kiss before we get to kissing no money money first kiss second (laughs) good rules I, i think it depends on who you get to kiss but yeah, uh, usually maybe money's better. All right, let's talk. What you watching? Woo! You know what? I've been busy, busy lately. Uh, but it doesn't keep me from watching my favorite TV shows and movies. I always need new content. Uh, I just recently finished Station Eleven, based on the recommendation of Brother. Uh, which I really enjoyed, different than anything I've seen on TV in a while. So for those of you who keep screaming, Hollywood's out of ideas, 
Well, that's why we give you this segment, uh, so you can check out some new things. Uh, Ghosts with Rose MacGyver, who was on iZombie, enjoying that really funny show. Peacemaker, come on, so good. John Cena has won me over with this role. I love him now. Uh, the Rookie, of course, with Nathan Fillion and the gang. I, I love that show. It's a fantastic one of the only uh, main channel or main uh, what you want to call them uh, broadcast studios uh, that I watch regularly shows. Most of everything else is on streaming services now. Mm. Uh, Don't look up the movie on Netflix. I watched towards the end of 2021. Mm. Fantastic movie. Uh, the new Lost in Space, which I'm honestly struggling to get through, but I'm I want to finish the story. Uh, true story with Wesley Snipes and uh, bu- 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 Kevin Hart. <laughs> Why I blinked for that? I had to think about the commercial. Kevin uh, and Kevin Hart is a really unique uh, story. It's called True Story. I doubt it's a true story. If it is, some people belong in prison. Oh, uh, but it's uh, it's really really interesting and good. And then um, I just got back into the Righteous Gemstones mm-hmm. and. Oh, AP Bio. If no one has seen AP Bio, it's Glenn Howerton, who was on, who's still on, um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And he plays a Harvard professor who's kicked out of Harvard. He goes back to the small town where his mother recently passed, lives in her house, and starts teaching AP Bio at the local high school just because he needs a job. But he refuses to teach biology. Instead, he uses the students in the class to help wreak havoc on his uh, on his uh, author friend, who's also his arch nemesis. Well, that sounds great. It's, it's a great plot. The the kids in the in the freaking classroom make the show. They are hilarious. They're like high school age kids. They're so good, and uh, you'll you'll notice some other. Uh, famous people in in the show as well. I love it, and it's uh, two seasons were on NBC, and then three and four are on Peacock. They ju- made them uh, specifically for that streaming platform. Brought the show back for that, which I thought was a genius move. That's cool. I, I know I'd seen advertisement uh, for it before. I just never looked into it too much. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, check I, I'm rewatching it now. Uh, actually, I started it back over uh, before I've even finished finished season four, which is a weird way to approach a show. But here I am. But it stops after uh, season podcasts, four. Uh, well, I don't know. I think I think that was just recently oh, out, cool. so we may get more. I'm hoping. I, I haven't Googled it because I'm scared, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, podcasts, I haven't been listening to my normal podcasts. I've gone down the NFT rabbit hole. I'm sure some people have rolled their eyes at that, but I, I'm all in on this NFT thing. And I've been listening to a great new one called Edge of NFT, which is uh, with some guys that have become influencers in the area. And I got to meet them while in Vegas for CES. Uh, which makes listening to a podcast that much more fun when you know someone involved in the recording. Mm-hmm. It gives you a different perspective on the podcast. And then my normal games. Fall Guys, Fortnite, Halo Infinite, which I just finished their most recent event and got my neon mohawk uh, in the game since I'll never have a mohawk in real life again. And uh, Rocket League. Mm. That's my content. I'm, I'm all over the place. Now, and you've been getting... Uh, I don't think we often talk enough about your other projects going on uh here this is not the only thing you work on you do your own stream um at cs sully on twitch uh so if you're looking for some good content there uh definitely check out my brother he's he's uh does a quite a variety of stuff and uh, a lot of gaming on there but always entertaining and lots of giveaways so if you like free stuff you should definitely check that out um and i don't know if you want to talk about your most recent project 
Yeah, yeah. I'm also uh, working on an NFT project called Kitty Cats with a, uh, a guy I've known for years uh, who is working with uh, a very famous artist by the name of Shag out of California. This guy is uh, he's got two uh, galleries and does millions of dollars a year in artwork, but he's coming on for his first NFT project. And uh, our entire project is, uh, is being... Uh, Carefully guided by uh, someone referred to as the godfather of Bitcoin, Michael Turpin, uh, which is great to have that kind of uh, influence and help on the project. We'll be launching soon with 10,000 unique kitty cat NFTs, what they call a PFP project, meaning every kitty cat is unique uh, based on a combination of different features like hats and eyes and earrings and all this cool stuff. Um, I got to meet the artist Shag too, going to CES, and after meeting him, lovely guy, really enjoyed uh, talking to him. I'm I'm super hyped on the project as a fan. I'll be buying some of my own, but if you guys are interested uh, and you haven't yet rolled your eyes at the idea of NFTs and are open to learning uh, what kind of cool things can come to you from owning an NFT, it is not just a JPEG. Uh, you should come check it out at kittycats.com. That's Q-I-T-T-Y-Q-A-T-S.com. Yeah, that uh, the NFT stuff is spreading everywhere. Like, it's it's all over. I'm seeing it constantly now, so I think it's definitely a growing industry, if you will. Um, cool. Um, I For my own projects, I actually am working on a short story. My writer's group is uh, putting together an anthology. Um, the idea is just to put out a, a free book that uh, everybody can uh, grab hold and introduce them to a bunch of different writers. Uh, so I'm looking forward to putting oh, that out. Smart. Should probably be out uh, like in March or April. So I'll, I'll definitely keep you guys updated there, and you can grab a free copy and get to enjoy some some more stories. Uh, for that's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, I think it's fun. Uh, I've been watching also Righteous Gemstones. A new season started, so very excited about that. Uh, a show called Inside Job, which is like an animated quirky <laughs> series. Uh, it's very mm. strange and fun. Um, for laughs, I guess, for the lols, I don't know, I decided to try Walking uh, Walking Dead Season 10, um, just because I kind of missed the show, and just the basic getting to beat up on some zombies and seeing what people are up to. Uh, there's still surprisingly some cast members I recognize, they've kept some people in there. Uh, others are gone. Um, yeah, and I, I don't, I think the last season I watched was maybe like five or six, it's been a while. Wow, yeah. Was that the prison or after prison? No, it was after the prison. I mean, we were we were in Dunegan and stuff. I saw all that. Oh, okay. Um, right. But it was, maybe it was later than I thought. Maybe I was in like season seven or eight or something, but it feels like I've skipped a few. I don't know, man. It's, yeah, there's not much left in there. Like, it's it's pretty casual watching, that's for sure. And then I, I don't know if I'll even finish the season, but it's nice to see zombies get there. It just doesn't have the hold on pop culture it once did i think i think the newness and the the uniqueness wore off and the exit of uh, rick had a huge impact on the show he was such a such a key character and i think a lot of people saw him as the as the lead and now he's gone he, we, he might be back but he's gone yeah i would appre- I, I think there's more opportunity for appreciation in all the spin-offs where we just get completely new characters and completely new stories um, although I haven't been keeping up with yeah. with those either, but yeah, I like Fear the Walking Dead better mm-hmm. now. Uh, it got it, the first two seasons were rough, and then it picked up and got really, really good. And now it's a fantastic show. Oh, see, I, th- I think I watched the first couple seasons and then left, so I didn't. Uh... Yeah. Okay. It it, it uh, went through two seasons of of meh, and then uh, and then got good. The cast completely changed. Mm. Uh, it's really good. Okay, now. I can maybe come back to that one. 
Uh, let's see, what else? We watched uh, recently Aladdin and Cool Runnings, trying to do some family stuff. And then to balance that, I guess, we watched Near Dark, uh, which is this uh, older uh, vampire movie from... Um, she did The Hurt Locker. <laughs> oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I yeah, know, yeah. I know her uh, name, too. Catherine Bigelow. Bigelow, that's it. Uh, yeah, she's good. Yeah. So... This was her, really, with uh, with Bill. Is that Bill? Yeah, Paxton? Bill Paxton's in there. Yeah. Um, it's basically the cast from Aliens. It's got uh, it's oh. got Bishop. It's got uh, uh, yeah, Lance the the woman that plays uh, that badass <laughs> soldier. Oh, Jeanette Goldstein. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's got some great people in there. The movie itself was all right. I could totally see, um, at the time it being way better just because I don't feel like I would have seen a bunch of movies, um, especially treating like vampires in that way and stuff. So it was unique then it's not anymore. So it, it's kind of aged too much. Uh, and finally got to watching uh, around to watching Eternals. Um, yeah. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> it's a movie. Yeah. I need to watch it again. I, everybody hyped it up and I like the character, uh, the characters in it, the, the actors, but I left feeling un, not overwhelmed or not, uh, I don't know. It just didn't feel like a normal Marvel movie. I think that's what it was. Well, that's, I need to watch it again, maybe with a different mindset. Well, that's what was kind of interesting to me. Like I'd heard people say that, where it's mm-hmm. not the typical Marvel. I'm like, I'm, I'm on board with that. I like a different treatment. Sure. And if it's a little more artsy or whatever, sure. Uh, visually, mm-hmm. it was fine. The big thing that was lacking was any concern for the characters, especially as a team. Like where the other movies excel um, is they, and it's, I wouldn't say each character needed their own movie first for this this group, but that's where the other ones uh, worked so much better is we got time with a character and then when they came together, like the Avengers, uh, them as a melding as a group was way more entertaining. We didn't get much time with each of these characters and even when they did come together, I didn't really... They didn't jive together as a group. It uh, yeah. it just didn't work Fair. in a lot of ways. Um, but I think it's just the start of a larger story anyway. So eh, no big deal. But I don't I don't won't be surprised if we don't get much of a sequel uh, with those. Maybe those characters will show up in other movies or something. Okay, let's get into Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I'm so glad you could come. This is going to be such an exciting day. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. And now, would you please show me your golden tickets? A poor but hopeful boy seeks one of the five coveted golden tickets that will send him on a tour of Willy Wonka's mysterious chocolate factory. Stars Gene Wilder, Peter Ostrom, Roy Kinnear, Julie Don Cole, Leonard Stone, Denise Nickerson, Nora Denny, Paris Thimmon, Ursula Wright, Michael Bolner, Diana Soule, and Jack Albertson as Grandpa Joe. And this episode's actor spotlight, best known as The Man from the TV series Chico and the Man, Albertson was a song and dance man from vaudeville and Broadway and winner of an Emmy, Oscar, and a Tony. With 180 acting credits since 1938, Albertson was on a multitude of TV series like The Thin Man, Dobie Gillis, which is 
a great show. And Mr. Ed, also a great show, and appeared in movies like Son of Flubber, How to Murder Your Wife, The Subject Was Roses, and The Poseidon Adventure, as well as voicing Amos Slade in The Fox and the Hound. This was directed by Mel Stewart, who also did One is a Lonely Number, The White Lions, and some TV, and a boatload of documentaries. This is written uh, in part by Roald Dahl, who did Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and You Only Live Twice, and obviously is the author of the books. David Seltzer, who is actually uncredited, um, also wrote The Omen, Prophecy, Lucas, Bird on a Wire, and My Giant. Quite the spectrum what? Right. of writing there. And in a way, you kind of get all of that in this movie. Like, there is some weird creepiness to it uh as well as some humor so uh but that's kind of raw dull too it's a weird his stories are a little bit strange uh but more quirky uh than anything else and yeah so i guess david seltzer really did bring some different stuff got a garbage strike going on here wonka who does your cleaning up shouldn't you be wearing rubber gloves you love the health inspectors up here you know that don't you invention my dear friends is 93 percent perspiration 6% 6% electricity, 4% evaporation, and 2% butterscotch ripple. That's 105%. Any good? This came out in 1971. Ooh, man, that's a long time ago. Uh, that year, we also got The French Connection, Billy Jack, and Fiddler on the Roof. Those all three topped the box office. Now, what did it make wow. at the box office? Well, $4 million, which sounds okay, but the problem was it's a $3 million budget. So, sure. I mean, that's all right. Could be better. Would you consider a, a movie today that made $400 million on a $300 million budget a success? Yeah. I would. <laughs> so, back then, time value uh, of money. I guess. That probably was a success. Maybe not as big as they hoped, but they, they didn't, you know. Yeah. They didn't lose. It made a profit. That's, yeah. that's all you can do. But it didn't get a didn't get a sequel. It had to wait a million years for a reboot. Um, Rotten Tomatoes rated that 91%. Everybody loves Fair. it. Let's move on to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> I, oh I suspect a different rating. Who are you? He's Willy Wonka. Really? A young boy wins a tour through the most magnificent chocolate factory in the world, led by the world's most unusual candy maker. Stars Johnny Depp, Freddie Highmore, David Kelly, Helena Bonham Carter, Noah Taylor, Missy Pyle, James Fox, Deep Roy, Christopher Lee, Adam Godley, Francesca Trogner, Anna Sophia Robb, Julia Winter, Jordan Fry, and Philip Wiegratz. This is directed by Tim Burton, who also did Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Mars Attacks, Planet of the Apes, Big Fish, Alice in Wonderland, and the upcoming Beetlejuice 2. Writers for this were John August, who did Go, Titan AE, Charlie's Angels, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. I think we had enough throttle the first time. Big Fish, Corpse Bride, Aladdin, and the Aladdin remake from 2019. And this came out in 2005. Quite a separation uh, in time there. Was that 34 years? Yeah. Dang. I can't believe that came out in 2005. I would have said it was more like 2012. It's been 17 years? What? 
I guess that makes sense because Freddie Highmore has like a TV series now where he's a doctor. So. Yeah, I know. Just seeing him as that little. Maybe I should wait till morning. Like hell. Altogether, we're 381 years old. We don't wait. It's very strange because, uh, yeah, we see him now. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's wildly different. All right, uh, here's, here's where things get wildly different. This, on a $150 million budget, which is massive compared to that $3 million one, but made $475 million at the box office. So what do I know about movies? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> and <laughs> Well, I mean, I, that, it's, a, it's an engine of hype around Depp and Burton that's going to sell tickets no matter what. Well, it used to. I don't know if it will anymore. But. I, I think it's still solid. And ratings... 83%. I find that uh, shocking. Yeah. I am shocked. Yeah. Agreed. I am a buzz with shock. Uh, <laughs> a buzz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It, we, we did not enjoy this film. So let, let's talk about what we thought about these movies now. What do, you, what do we think about the original? We watched it a little while ago now. A few weeks ago, yeah. But do you remember that with Gene Wilder? Um, I don't know who that is, but, um... <laughs> he was Willy Wonka. Oh, okay. I liked the, I liked the movie. I liked the original better than the new one. And, uh... For good reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do you think of... Like, I think a big part of it, and this is where it's important what your opinion is, because for us, we grew up watching this movie, and mm-hmm. we know everything about it, and we know... We, we know it's dated, too. I mean, it was dated when, when we watched it, I think, but... Uh, yeah, the two styles like you saw the the original one is much older looking and the colors are treated differently like this factory is different and stuff the oompa loompas were different and then we saw the new one completely different in my opinion but what do you think were they different enough like did you prefer one style or look over the other um yeah they were pretty different everything looked a lot different than the other one like this kind of story was the same but otherwise i I like the old style better i think it fits the movie more hmm. do you like that willy wonka better yeah a lot yeah <laughs> the new willy wonka was really bad <laughs> yeah i agree i, I didn't like it at all. okay what about you brother what do you think Wait, I got a question for Isabel. It had to be weird to watch. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever watched the original and a remake of a movie within the same few days for mm. the first time. Was it like you were watching the same movie twice? Did you know it was going to happen? Uh, no, I didn't really know it was going to happen. The second one, the second one was honestly pretty different from the first one. I have watched, I have watched the first one before, when I was younger. That was the first oh, okay. time watching it in like a few years. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We had, we had, you watched that. I don't remember how old you were then. Six or seven. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I think you liked it. That court, you liked everything. <laughs> that was when you were watching. It was all new. Frozen over yeah. and over again. But you watched like <laughs> Ghostbusters then, uh, and a couple of other things. We need to get you watching some some more stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, all in all, I still like you said. We grew up on the original with Gene Wilder. 
Those uh, the songs were iconic. The just Gene, it's been memed to death with Gene Wilder's, uh, like mm-hmm. you know, on the couch, like looking like, Tell me more. I love stuff like that. And then you know, here comes Tim Burton to make the uh, the reboot, the remake. And I love his visual style always, I think it's so cool. But his movies are so hit or miss. And on this one, I just felt like there were so many weird, weird choices, and they clearly made Willy Wonka a psychopath. Then he will be made into strawberry-flavored chocolate-coated fudge. They'll be selling him by the pound all over the world. No, I wouldn't allow it. The taste would be terrible. Can you imagine Augustus-flavored chocolate-coated gloop? Ew. No one would buy it. Which, that was not what Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka was all about. So, I, I don't know. I prefer the old one as well. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, all the choices he made were just wrong. Like, he made the factory all dark. I'm talking about Tim Burton here. Made the factory all dark. The, the kids had no charm. I know the kids were annoying in the first one, but they were still charming or, like, in their own way charismatic. Like, or at least memorable. Like, they, yeah. they were well-defined, I think. And yeah. it was kind of fun seeing them... <laughs> even when they had their disasters and stuff um but yeah then i didn't really like anybody in the new one and willy wonka who is supposed to be the very focus and epitome of like this um uh child i don't know he he makes candy for children you're supposed to love him and there was nothing lovable at all no not at all he was just he was creepy. He was, he was like green yeah. or something. I don't know why. He I don't know why. That's the word, maybe, creepy. Maybe it was just like our screen, but he looked like greenish yellow, like as his skin color. Yeah, no, they put some weird coloring in I there. I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> like, why would... No, don't take candy from this person, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he drives a van with tinted windows, he's, I bet. He's exactly the guy you we tell our children not to take candy from. Don't go to his factory. <laughs> please don't. There's the new meme. We need that meme rolling around. <laughs> Don't take candy from this man. What do you remember? And the songs were different. Like, yep. so, well, there's separate songs, right? There's songs for the movie, um, and then there's the Oompa Loompa songs, which I always kind of associate a little bit separately. Um, and that they tried, I think, more on this time around to like change the different style of all the Oompa Loompa songs, so each yeah. one had its own theme and stuff. Yeah. Just ended up being really weird, <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> it was weird. It was uncomfortable. I don't think I, I, I know what they're going for to try and have like the duplicate of the same person over and over again, mm-hmm. but I don't like that. Like, there's no personality in that. With the old ones, well, every Oompa Loompa was. It would have made thing. sense if. Would have made sense if he was cloned, but he was. There was actually a tribe of little Oompa Loompas that they went and got. So yeah, they needed to have their own unique personalities and. And different, slightly different heights, and yeah, like the original one. You had some thin Oompa Loompas and some thick Oompa Loompas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All different Oompa Loompas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the only part that I felt like they were at least trying to do something different that had a chance at being okay. It was when they did the little flashbacks with him interacting with the Oompa Loompas. But once it came over into the main story that we all know, like I... That style he chose for that. Well, and it's different. Like, there's Tim Burton's style for direction and look, um, and all that. Mm-hmm. I really don't mind too much. Fine if that's you know your way of making this sort of 
cartoon world, that's that's all right. I mean, it works in like Edward Scissorhands and and some other play. Even Batman, where he did yeah. it there, was Batman. It's mm-hmm. fine, and it was even sort of dark. But the problem is these these character choices that he's making with the newer stuff with Tim Burton and all or uh, uh, Ed, uh, what's his name uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Thank you. With, yeah, sorry. With with the the newer Johnny Depp Tim Burton movies, like he's just going for weird, like and and it doesn't work for everything, and it just made me stop watching. Like all the Johnny Depp's. Anytime Tim Burton's going to come out with another Johnny Depp, uh, Helena Bonham Carter thing, I'm like, I'm out. I don't care. So I know it's not going to be. Mm, I, I can't give up on him yet, but I'm going to go in reluctantly these days. Yeah. Yeah. I, let's see. You, I'm trying to figure out how many Tim Burton movies you've seen. Have you seen Edward Scissorhands? Yeah, I've seen that movie. Do you remember that? So did you like that one? I don't remember really anything. I just remember okay. those. God, I love that. I just movie. remember the guy with scissorhands. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a fantasy story where, like, you know, fish out of water. He he comes down to uh, hang out with the 1950s suburbs and ends up cutting all their hair and all the bushes and all that sort of stuff. You remember? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what else do we have? Yeah, you didn't see the original. I, maybe you did see the original Batman. No. I haven't seen 89. That. Or that's not the original. Oh, it's actually. time. You got to watch it before the Batman Flash movies. comes out. Oh, you haven't seen any of the Batman? All right. Well, eventually you're going to be forced to because they're never going to stop making them. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> by true. accident, you will see at least three in your lifetime. All right. Yeah, Beetlejuice. Beetle, yeah, I watched Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Yeah, you've seen Beetlejuice. I like Beetlejuice. Yeah. Beetlejuice is a good movie. Uh, what else? And Johnny Depp, you've seen and other stuff. You've seen him in the Pirates of the Caribbean. I haven't watched that. You don't remember that? I don't think I've watched it. We watched it. There's like 80 of those. We watched the first one, I think. Uh, yeah, Mars Attacks. You've They're seen all the that. same. You like Mars Attacks? What was that one again? Where Mars, <laughs> Martians come down to Earth. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they're... Yeah, that was... Yeah, that was... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, well, eventually we'll see some other ones, too, because there are good Tim Burton movies as well that um, uh, that I think everybody should see, and we've talked... like. Mentioning those Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Batman. Uh, I think you'll. Big Fish. Yeah, Big Fish is one I'll definitely recommend that she can watch when she's a little older. What's that? Uh, it's kind of a. Is it a movie about a fish? In a way, but it's mostly about like a father son story and where the father tells a bunch of tall tales and um, the son's uh, denying that any of those stories are true. And then. That's a tall tale. Tall tales are stories that are exaggerated. That's right. So, like, those are not true. That's right, but that's that's sort of the discovery that kid makes, and whether or not it matters, because um, it's still entertainment, and the father was just doing it out of a, a loving place. Anyway, movie I like, you maybe maybe will like it, but that one's got some cool visuals too, and a different treatment. Yeah. But I think everybody in it is it's well acted. It's a good story too. Uh, okay, so for the original, um, let's get our star rating. So we go from basically zero to five stars. Um, what? How many stars would you give the original? I'd give the original probably a four point five. <laughs> wow, you really enjoyed it. Yeah, I like that movie. Okay. What about? The, hmm. uh, well, so and what do you think, brother? The original one, seventy. Um, you know, I, I I do like it, and and uh, I'll probably watch it again. I'm not a big fan of movies with musical right. numbers, but 
There's a couple of great songs on that one uh, that stick with me and, and appear at other parts in life a lot. And uh, I think I'll go with a three and a half on this one. Yeah, that's still pretty good. Uh, yeah, for me, I even on this uh, rewatch, I still genuinely enjoyed it just as as a movie. It didn't matter what time period it's from or whatever. Uh, I gave it four stars. I thought it was a, a really good treatment. It's kind of like a a dark comedy in a way, um, which it really is sort of unique. makes me want to read the book. Yeah. After hearing about the the author not liking what they did with it. Yeah. All right. I'm not gonna read it. I'm not gonna read it. No. I think we have read it before. I don't like reading. Oh boy, this is. I'm working on it, folks. All right, one day she'll come around. Well, at least they'll make movies out of my books, maybe. Okay. There you go. The director? No, probably not. But I'll write the screenplay. Okay, on the newer one, um, it's called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, right? Uh, yeah, just Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, what'd you think? Oh boy. Um, one. How many? One star. Yeah. It was really bad. Mm. Yeah, it's we just, were we were struggling to get it was, through it. Yeah, I didn't. Well, I ran upstairs once it was done. I just <laughs> you couldn't. ran away and I immediately ran. tried to forget. Yeah, I tried to forget it, but I can't. Sadly. She did not take candy from that. All man. right, no, please, other children beware. <laughs> been, That's a review. Other warned. children beware. Ah, <laughs> uh, I agree. I. Uh, I struggled to get through it, and honestly, if it wasn't for needing to just for the episode here, I probably would not have finished it. No. One star for me. Mm. Yeah, I would normally go that low, but especially when comparing it to other Tim Burton and Johnny Depp movies and how good a job they did and how original they Mm -hmm. were, I just uh, I can't do it. I won't watch it again. One star here as well. It's, It's garbage. Total, <laughs> total garbage. Other children beware, it's garbage, yeah. Isabel Sully. That's my, <laughs> that's my famous line of 2022. You won! The jackpot, my dear sir, the grand and glorious jackpot. The chocolate? The chocolate, yes, the chocolate, but that's just the beginning. We have to get on, we have to get on, we have so much time and so little to do. Strike that, reverse it. This way, please. <laughs> Pitch time. Oh, boy. Who's going first? Uh, you know what? I'll just go ahead and run, run into sword on it. this one. I uh, I struggled to this one. I know I've said that before many films, but <laughs> I just sat here with head in hands and struggled to figure out what the hell I was going to do with this because my first instinct was, hey, Charlie in the Glass Elevator. I read that as a kid. That's going to be great. And then I went and read the synopsis again. And what a crazy-ass story that makes no sense in relation to the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. None at all. Uh, So I immediately tanked that idea. And then I started working down several different rabbit holes. And this is what I came up with. We've got the new film. Uh, It is a sequel called Wonka. Just Wonka. Single word. Like on the chocolate bar. Directed by Jason Reitman, mm-hmm. hot off the success of Ghostbusters. Starring Hugh Jackman as Charlie Bucket. Uh, Ian Armitrage uh, as Joe. And if you guys don't know who that is, I doubt you do. He plays young Sheldon on the TV series, Young oh, Sheldon. Okay. 
Carla Gugino as Claire Bucket, Charlie's wife, uh, mainly because I'll put Carla Gugino in everything Mm -hmm. I can. And the setting is 2019. We're going pre-COVID on this one because I just don't want to deal with that. Um, We begin with a narrated intro. This is what you would hear in the film. Over 40 years ago, a young man by the name of Charlie Bucket became the luckiest boy in the world. He pulled a golden ticket and went on a tour of the illustrious Wonka Chocolate Factory. The contest turned out to be so much more than anyone could have imagined, and Charlie ended up as the new owner of the Chocolate Factory. And we're flying over the small town uh, seeing the factory here. Uh, For years, he worked with the legendary Willy Wonka, learning the secrets of the factory and serving as an apprentice. But eventually, Charlie took over and began to run things himself. He didn't want to lose the magic of the Wonka name, so he kept it on the factory and the candy. But he didn't stop there. We can tell from the flyover that the Wonka name is now on many more products, seen being loaded onto shipping trucks leaving the facility. The flyover pans back to show grown-up Charlie flying over the city in his glass elevator. Eventually docking back into the building, the doors open, and Charlie steps out. Charlie is now in his 50s. Uh, we can tell from his appearance, though, on screen that he still has a kid, a kind smile and a love for his work. He heads from the elevator through the factory floor, greeting employees, Oompa Loompas included, and checking in on the status of things on the business. Everyone seems happy and eager to please Charlie. He eventually arrives at his lab slash office, which is clearly heavily secured with multiple levels of identification. He scans his badge enters a code, looks into a device that scans his eye, deposits his gum into a small tray, and he's just about to enter a vault-style door when his phone rings. Takes it out of his pocket to see that it's his son, Joe. Joe is a 13-ish year-old boy and looks a lot like Charlie Bucket that we all remember from the Willy Wonka film. Joe reminds his father that he's got practice later in the day and doesn't want Charlie to forget to leave his lab in time to make it to pick him up from school. Charlie agrees, hangs up, sets an alarm on his phone as a reminder, and heads into a series of doors labeled Top Secret, Nobody Allowed Beyond This Point. Our opening credits roll, showing a video recap of the years of Wonka Chocolates and what we've missed since the original film. Magazine covers, grand openings, new candy announcements, and more as cast and crew names appear on the screen. We jump ahead to later that day with young Joe returning to the Bucket family home and entering the front door. He throws down his bag and calls out for his mother. We see his siblings, a brother and sister, about 10 and 15 respectively, and mom all hanging out in the kitchen. Joe's extremely upset and proceeds to share with the rest of the family that his dad failed to pick him up at school and is not answering his phone. Everyone's concerned, but it's right about that time they receive a family text from Charlie stating that he will be working late at the office that night and nobody should worry. Joe is, of course, hurt that his father didn't mention him in the text or the fact that he had forgotten to pick him up. All right, now I've set a tone here but I can't be writing the entire script. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got plot points going from here mm-hmm. on out so that you guys don't get uh, drowned in the details. Charlie doesn't make it home that night, but texts again to say that he'll be home soon. Mom already has a commitment to a trip out of the country for a charity project and heads out early the next morning for a trip, but is guaranteed by Charlie, again via text, that he'll be there to pick up the kids after school. All's good until the kids are left stranded at school again. They meet up and start to talk about how worried they are and then head over to the Wonka factory to see what's going on. Again, this is the, the small-ish town from the original film that's, of course, expanded, but it's not a huge place. Uh, while they are not supposed to be in the restricted area, Joe knows a trick or two to get around the security features leading to those top-secret doors. 
Uh, the kids investigate and find that their father is not in his office. Instead, they find that some of his security measures within his lab slash office have been tripped. Joe heads to a panel on the wall, opens it up to expose a small storage area with a glass front. Inside, the kids can see a small man, like shrunken small, not Oompa Loompa small, within the box. He's very angry and he's shouting something. They flip a switch on the wall nearby and the little man's voice is amplified over a speaker. Curse that Charlie Bucket. How did he do this? Well, the joke's on him. He's not the only one with some tricks up his sleeve. The shrunken man won't give up his name or any details about himself, but says that unless the kids let him go, they'll never see their father again. What shrunken man didn't know was that Charlie had his own tracking system, similar to Find My iPhone, and always kept the tracker on him. The kids fired up their Wonka app and saw that Dad was across town. The kids head out to find and rescue Dad, but decided to take a few of Dad's experimental projects along with them, just in case. The kids enter a warehouse across town and find it to be a very unique place. It's another lab filled with high-tech gadgets and screens everywhere. There's no sign of Charlie, but the signal on his tracker shows he's close. They continue to look around the lab for clues when a mysterious figure appears from the shadows. It's an Oompa Loompa, dressed in all black, and he does not look happy. He attacks the kids, but is quickly stopped in his tracks by Joe, who throws a small piece of candy at the Oompa Loompa, freezing him in place. The kids proceed through several rooms, each with more Oompa Loompas and traps, but at each turn, the kids use one of their father's experimental candies or sodas to beat the challenge. That can be uh, evolved on a lot, but I didn't write it all out. I just The idea of uh, a Goonies-style adventure goes here. Eventually, they find their father trapped and, well, embarrassed. He had been lured to the building by someone pretending to be an old friend, he got there and was knocked out by some sort of gas, then woke up in the cell. Apparently, the person responsible for his capture had used his phone to text the family. The kids re- return to Wonka Chocolate with their father and the sh- find the shrunken man in the box. Charlie pushed a few buttons on the wall and the man is teleported across the room and resized back to normal. Not again, he yells. Charlie looks at him and laughs. It turns out the villain is none other than Mike TV, who had held a grudge against Charlie since their golden ticket days. He thought he should have won and that it wasn't fair Charlie took over the factory. TV had hoped to steal the secret projects Charlie had been working on and use them to make himself rich and ruin Wonka chocolates. He had turned a few Oompa Loompas and set up his lab across town. What he didn't count on was Charlie, prepared for such craziness, and a group of kids armed with the most amazing candy creations ever. So yeah, I really struggled with this pitch, uh, but what I eventually landed on was like, I don't think I could focus on Charlie or retell the story again because we've already seen it twice of kids trying to get to access the factory. Uh, But I did like the kid aspect, so I went for like a Ghostbusters reboot, Goonies, 80s feel, like Super 8 style kids leading the film uh, with Charlie playing a secondary role because we know Charlie. And we, it was just cool to kind of catch up with him for a minute. Yeah, I um, I think that's the smarter way to go. I think um, the kids' route is going to be more accessible, and I think it could be a lot more fun. And um, so I think that's pretty smart. Um, my pitch, though, <laughs> did go uh, all about Charlie. Uh, it's actually just called Charlie. And the reason I did this, uh, one, we never really got a, a sequel. Uh, because there there should have been one with the glass elevator, and Charlie goes on more adventures. Uh, Now, this doesn't pick up with him as a kid, uh, but this is more in line with something I started 
20 years ago. Um, I actually was going to be writing a screenplay sequel to Willy Wonka. Yeah, and I started putting down some material for it and uh, getting into sort of the headspace. My whole treatment was like Charlie was down and out. The factory wasn't doing so well. Like it turned out that uh, and Wonka was gone and that, you know, Charlie was just a kid when he inherited a factory. Like, what does he know? So he was just in over his head. Things weren't going so well. And I was just starting him off like at a dark place and then hopefully was going to pick up and be uh, better after that. Um, I didn't do the exact same treatment here. Oh, well, to finish that story, the reason I abandoned the project was because shortly, like a month into it, I found out that Tim Burton was going to be doing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I'm like, there's no point in this. Like, he's already going to do it masterfully. I was so anxious to, like, I I, I just knew that was going to be a great movie. I was like, there's nobody better to handle this but Tim Burton. (laughs) Boy, was I wrong. But that was before you go on. I gotta say, way way to uh, way to upstage me. I normally spend about uh, forty eight hours of prep. You've been working on yours since two thousand two. Come on. Yeah, pretty much. No, I, I I had abandoned that project shortly after that. But yeah, um, it did not. His did not turn out like uh, I had hoped, or apparently very few people hoped. Everybody else liked it, um, but I didn't. But anyway, I wanted to tell something about charlie in the later years so that is that's where we're at here this one's called charlie casting is tom hiddleston as charlie peter dinklage as reginald and david thewlis as plugsworth you'll see why he's called plugsworth and not slugsworth mm-hmm. a little bit uh this will be directed by jean-pierre junot who did amelie delicatessen and alien resurrection i think he'll give a pretty cool look to this so still sort of dreamlike and stuff in places the camera pulls back from the chocolate factory the smokestacks are cold the lights of the wonka sign broken and dark a man stands outside the main gate and watches as the factory is imploded crumbling to the ground in a cloud of concrete dust and candy powder a man in a hard hat approaches that's it mr bucket we should have the land cleared by the end of the week the lone onlooker turns thank you says charlie handing the man a chocolate bar here have some chocolate Uh, Thanks, says the demolition foreman. When Charlie walks on, the foreman tosses the candy bar in the garbage. Charlie, a middle-aged man with thin build and thinner hair, roams the streets of his once quaint village, now modernized and bustling. Beaming with electricity and outrageous fashions, he passes a Cadbury candy shop on his way to the cemetery. So this is years later, but because the original took place, uh, I forget, in like the 20s or something then it's it's still like 60s ish or something uh charlie approaches a massive mausoleum painted in faded rainbows of color decorated with oversized candy sculptures the ghost of willy wonka suddenly appears outside go away it screams and charlie walks through the hologram i'm calling the police it yells yeah yeah charlie puts a comically oversized key into the lock of a tomb and opens the doors music blares and machines whir and move charlie ducks as a freshly made pie is thrown where his face was a moment before he stands beside willy wonka's concrete vault the factory is officially gone cadbury is going to take over the property soon i didn't know they wanted to tear it all down but i guess it doesn't much matter i'm glad you weren't here to see it go i tried to be like you we even had a few good runs 
But nothing I ever invented had the same magic. When the workers' unions forced the Oompa Loompas out, I should have known we were in trouble. It didn't help that I knew nothing about running a business or a factory, but I thought maybe the right candy could save it all. I failed you, Mr. Wonka, I'm sorry. Charlie wiped tears from his eyes and rested the everlasting gobstopper on the great chocolatier's grave. He turned to leave when Willy Wonka's fake ghost appeared again. Boo! it shouted. Charlie dismissed again. Go away. Charlie, it said. Stop. What? You've never said my name before. Well, you never brought flowers. Wait, are you really talking to me? I would if you'd quit asking dumb questions, said Wonka. <laughs> you didn't fail me, Charlie. You tried. That's what matters. Your legacy is what matters, says Charlie. To you, maybe. I'm dead, Wonka laughs. But there's one last thing you could try if you haven't given up just yet. What? A scroll extends from the sleeve of a nearby statue of Wonka, and Charlie opens it to see a candy recipe. The factory's gone, and I don't know what most of these ingredients are, Charlie says. You don't need a factory, just a few helping hands. The sounds of machinery start again, and a robot emerges from Wonka's grave. It looks like a clunky, metallic version of the fake Slugsworth, who whispered into Charlie's ear ages ago after unwrapping the golden ticket. The robot bows. Hello, I'm Plugsworth. Are you ready for an adventure? An adventure, Charlie asks, as the glass elevator lands outside the mausoleum. Plugsworth opens the doors of the tomb and relays a message to the elevator, opening its doors automatically. He holds his hand out to Charlie, guiding him into the elevator. Where are we going? He steps in, and a button illuminates on the elevator's control panel. It says, Loompa Land. The doors close, and Plugsworth says, we're going to make some candy. An adventure begins with Charlie and Plugsworth traveling to Loompaland to gather the first ingredient of Wonka's lost recipe. They fight crazy jungle creatures, and as an old friend from the factory, secure an Oompa Loompa named Reginald as another traveling companion. From there, they go to a distant planet, travel through time, and meet alternate versions of themselves in a separate dimension. It's a goofy ride. Though the tribulations are many, they overcome each, and Charlie's excited to return to making candy again. But the final ingredient on the list is nothing anyone from the group has ever heard of. It's called Noita Nagami. The group's best guess is it's Japanese, so they hike through every Japanese mountain and spelunk into deep Japanese caves, but cannot find this rare and unknown ingredient. They decide, instead, to use the ingredients they have and see if they can complete the recipe with something else. Charlie and the gang travel back to his hometown and work up batch after batch in the kitchen using strange replacement flavors in the hopes that they'll create something delicious. Finally, Charlie suggests a more traditional approach, deviating from Mr. Wonka's recipe by using ingredients he already loves. When he's done, the group tastes the candy, and it's delicious. Despite being unable to master Mr. Wonka's lost recipe, Charlie decides to open a small chocolate store of his own. Reginald is stamping small letters on circular colored chocolates. Plugsworth picks one up. M's? Reginald twists the chocolate in the robot's hands. They're W's for Wonka. <laughs> Ch Charlie is framing the scroll when he catches the text of its recipe in reflection. The ingredient, Noitenagami, is reversed and reads, Imagination. Charlie smiles and hangs the framed recipe. We pull back from the store to see the name Charlie's Chocolates lit up overhead and a group of children stepping inside with eager smiles. Oh, I like it. That's fun. Yeah, once, once you said Noit Nagami, I was looking at it. I was like, I'm a... I was trying to read it backwards. I'm like, imagination! But you, I couldn't yell out while you were... You got it. <laughs> Wasn't that just magnificent? I was worried it was getting a little dodgy in the middle part, but then that finale, <laughs> wow! That's yeah, great. I thought that was that was fun. We we get an adventure, and I you know I kept that pretty vague, so it can go any way you want. And maybe it's a CG heavy thing. I don't know. It just depends on how it's 
how it's treated, but I think it could be fun. My instant thought was uh, was uh, 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 Rick and Morty, like mm. like them traveling through the space and time with their spaceship and stuff. Like you could even do like a like a little uh, cartoon interlude there if you wanted. That's to. true. Or yeah. what about a series? Maybe all this yes. kicks off and it's a series of all their adventures over the course of multiple seasons before they before you finally get to this as they are in search of Noint and Agami. Could be. It could be a, a limited series too, if they didn't want yeah. Or it could be that's the first season and then yeah, then they just do whatever they want after that, you know. What's the the meme I just saw recently? It's like, hey, we you want to watch a nine hour movie? Hell no, I don't. How about nine one hour episodes yeah. of a series? Count me in. <laughs> yeah. I know. We're goofy creatures. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's true, yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm all about a, a limited series, man. I will um I'll definitely be yeah. on board. You tell me there's one season of something and it, it starts and ends? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's just a long movie. Yeah. That's the biggest fear is you don't know if uh, you want to come into something that, that was good, but I check first. Like, where is this? How many seasons? Was it canceled? Will there be mm-hmm. more? Mm-hmm. And even then, you don't know for certain. Mm. All right. Well, those are our pitches. Um We'll have to see if there's any similarities at all because there is a retake coming up and it's called Wonka. Uh, this Wait, I guessed it. That's what I titled mine. <laughs> Wonderful. I mean, not like it was a real stretch, but still one word and I got it. You've already got it. 90% there. I'm sure the rest of the story is exactly the same. In I swear I did no research in advance. I hate to look ahead, so... Yeah, this is currently in production, and it's expected in March of 2023, so we still have another year to go. Uh, Synopsis here, the story will focus specifically on a young Willy Wonka and how he met the Oompa Loompas on one of his earliest adventures. A musical fantasy. I'm sorry, but it will be a musical. Uh, This will be directed by Paul King, who did Bunny and the Bull and Paddington and Paddington 2. Um, which I enjoyed the Paddington movies. I think they, um, knowing he did those, I can get an idea of the tone of probably what will be in Wonka, and I think that will work well. I think it's going to be good. Hmm. Um, and this is something I, I'm hoping we can make better predictions on uh, of what's coming up. I, I don't think very often that we're intending to have our pitches be exactly what's, what's going to come out. This is just no. from our own minds. But I think... Uh, with our knowledge of who's involved on a project, uh, we might be able to guess uh, if it's going to be any good or not. And I'll continue there. So this is also written by Paul King um, and Simon Farnaby, who worked on Paddington 2, Mindhorn, which if you've not seen that movie, you've got to. It's so funny uh, and so random, and I, I don't know that many people have seen it, but if there's any Mindhorn fans out there, uh, let me know, um, because we'll, we'll have to do a watch party to watch it again. Uh, and he's also written for the upcoming Pinocchio. In this, we've got Timothy Chalamet, because you put that kid in everything now, Olivia mm-hmm. Coleman, who I'm also a big, big fan of, uh, Tracy Feature, uh, Matt Lucas, Sally Hawkins, Rowan Atkinson, I haven't seen him in a while, Keegan-Michael Key, yeah, mm -hmm. some quality folks in this, Jim Carter, Simon Farnaby, Ellie Ellie White, Patterson Joseph, Matthew Bainton, 
Reiki Thakar and Natasha Rothwell. Sorry if some of those names I didn't get get off the ground like they were supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> Failed to launch. Uh, some great names, though, and some good comedic names in there um, to, to join Chalamet and Coleman, who are more dramatic actors, although I think they could pull off some comedy as well. Uh, there is also an animated miniseries in pre-production, uh, but very little information available on that. So I don't even know if they relate. Interesting. You, you t- gave your pitch, and I even said it might be fun to go the animated route. And look at them. Look at them. It could be. Could be a whole. This is a start of um, really bringing in maybe a new franchise um, or, you know, re- rejuvenating an existing yeah. franchise and actually carrying through on it, not just a one off. Maybe this is something that's going to grow. Well, and that's what it seems everybody seems to want to build a universe. I mean, after the success of Marvel, it makes sense. But as the. As a consumer, I love the idea of don't give us a movie and then walk away for five years. Give us a movie, give us a, a, maybe a game or some sort of companion piece, a series to go along with it. I love that idea. Like immerse me in this world if you're going to create something. But it's so hit or miss. I mean, so many people, uh, they end a movie where it seems like it's going to be a sequel or universe and then we get nothing because it didn't mm-hmm. perform well at the box office. These These companies have got to you got to lean into it in order for it to be successful. You can't just try it and then back off immediately. Part of winning is getting, you know, word of mouth from people and getting them immersed in this world or this universe. Uh, I hope I hope they stick with it. It could be fun. Yeah. I think I have faith in the actors and the director on this one. My big question is if it's going to be a musical, I want to know who's writing the music. Ah. Uh, because that is where... <laughs> It could really make or break uh, if you've got some strong musical numbers in there and the actual songs are good, the lyrics are good or whatever, then cool. But if you try and come out with a musical and all the music's just like, meh, you know. you don't, This, this you, from the guy who stopped writing his treatment of the movie years ago because he thought <laughs> Tim Burton was going to nail it. So yeah, <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> never give up, kids. Because your favorite director might just be a failure one day. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I think that's going to be a big thing. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of throw out. Um, I predict I'm actually going to enjoy this. I'm, I'm gonna say, I think we're, I'm gonna end up with a, a four star enjoyment of the upcoming Ooh, Wonka. Bold. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you. I like the. I like the. The. I haven't seen the Paddington movies, but if you give them a high recommendation, that says a lot. Uh, so you've got an established director. Let's say that you got mm-hmm. a good cast, some good people in there. I don't know all the names. I'd like to look them up, but uh, some solid ones in there. And I think these companies are getting smarter about the way they treat their films now. They know they can't just crank out something and make the 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 money run on one film. They want to make something bigger out of it. So hopefully. Hopefully these companies are learning, and this is an example of how they're going to do it right. Because Willy Wonka is a is a cherished title, uh, even if the Tim Burton one didn't do well. There's generations who've grown up on the original film, and you can capitalize on that. So hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully it's good. Yeah. Plus, uh, I don't know if Nestle's a uh, a producer. I kind of assume they would be, but this is an opportunity for you to pump out some new candy sales. Exactly, right, and so. if they don't do a golden ticket event, they're an idiot. Like you yep. got to do something with an actual like that, so somebody can win like I don't know red carpet 
premier access yes. nfts golden ticket nfts there it is there's the thing right there You've you got to buy the chocolate bar to claim your NFT, and some are super rare, and those super rare ones are the ones that get you access to something. The Nestle Factory Red Carpet Premiere. Brilliant. Are you listening, Nestle? Yeah. If you're not, bring me on as a uh, consultant. I can help you with that. Uh, that's uh, C.S. Sully on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, before you're whisked away to work with Nestle on this big project, <laughs> let's get over to trivia. We got a little trivia for you folks. Uh, I love this part because I always learn some things I did not know, uh, starting with the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The reactions of the actors and actresses in some scenes are spontaneous. For example, when the children first enter the chocolate room and see the candy gardens, their reactions are genuine. After reading the script, Gene Wilder said he would take the role of Willy Wonka under one condition, that he would be allowed to limp then suddenly somersault in the scene where he first meets the children. When director Mel Stewart asked why, Milder, Wilder replied that having Wonka do this meant that from the to- that time on, no one will know if I'm lying or telling the truth. Stewart asked, if I say no, you won't do the picture? And Wilder said, I'm afraid that's the truth. Oh, sly. Oh. When Gene Wilder died in 2016, Peter, I don't know how to say that. Ostrom. Ostrom changed his social media platform to former child actor veteran. Inherited a chocolate factory 29th August 2016. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, Peter Ostrom is a kid, I guess. Yeah, he played little uh, Charlie Bucket. Uh, Ernst Ziegler, who played Grandpa George, was nearly blind from poison gas in World War One. So he was instructed to look for a red light to guide him when his character was meant to be looking in a certain direction. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So aren't there like crazy thick glasses on that guy? Too? So, I mean, yeah. That's not an exaggeration at all. Uh, in the DVD commentary, Peter Oster mentions that toward the end of the shoot, with him being the only kid left, he and Gene Wilder often ate lunch together. Fittingly, they finished those lunches by sharing a chocolate bar for dessert as they walked back to the set. That's nice. Oh. The Chocolate River was made from 150,000 gallons of water, real chocolate, and cream. The filmmakers had to change the formula for the Chocolate River because originally the concoction they were using turned blood red. Because of the cream, (laughs) the cream mixture began to spoil. By the end of the filming, it smelled terrible. Michael Baldner, Mm -hmm. who played Augustus Gloop, later described it as dirty, stinky water. Mm. Ew. Blood red. Why real chocolate? That's what, I thought it was a good idea. It just seems like a disaster. Well, the kid actually drank some of it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess it did. Maybe that's why. All for that one thing. It's just no, but it, that would be good. That wouldn't be good. Water, chocolate, and cream. Yeah, it probably wasn't all. Cream might be okay. Cream. The Wonkatania was on a track in the Chocolate River, but the actor playing the Oompa Loompa at the helm thought he was actually steering it. For the sake of believability, director Mel Stewart didn't tell him the truth. <laughs> I didn't know that was the name of the book. This, I think that's, yeah. or was that the, yeah, it was in the boat, yeah. <laughs> this, so he really believed he was steering them. I wonder if it, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he was like panicking. Yeah, I wonder if it, I don't think it really went fast, but. No, he's still probably like, oh God. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, this is the only film role of Peter Ostrom who played Charlie Bucket. He turned down a five-picture contract because he didn't want to make acting his profession and later became a veterinarian, just like you mentioned about his social profile. As of 2013, Julie Don Cole, who played Veruca Salt, is the only one of the child actors who is still acting. Hmm. 2013, so when it, I was three. It didn't, uh, it didn't spark <laughs> any interest in the other kids making that movie. Denise Nickerson's blueberry scene was shot in the middle of the day, leaving a time frame in, in between take, takes for lunch. She had to stay in her blueberry costume for that duration and had to be turned over several times to keep proper bud circulation. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where are the photos behind, uh, behind the scenes for that? That's so great. she didn't actually turn violet? <laughs> no. Because it would have happened if they let well, her blood settle. Yeah. Uh, Denise Nickerson, the same actress, had a Violet-esque experience in real life. She said in the DVD commentary that one day in math class, kids started pointing at her and laughing, and one of her friends told her she was turning purple. The makeup that had been used on her for the film had apparently seeped into oh. her pores and started to resurface. Oh my god. Well, that's crazy. Uh. Uh, t- during the Wonka Wash car scene... The foam used to spurt out was compiled from basic fire extinguishers, but what was unknown to the cast and crew was that the foam itself was a potent skin irritant. So after shooting the scene, the actors and actresses were left in considerable discomfort when their skin puffed up and required several days to receive medical treatment and recovery. This is a dangerous movie. Yes, you find that out from a lot of these on movies. They think they're being safe, and then it turns out... um, yeah, it's just dangerous. Like the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz, didn't he die of some sort of like poisoning oh, yeah. from that that paint that they used on I him? I don't know. Probably. And the Oompa Loompas were known for partying for partying offset, even traveling in a limo together to bars. <laughs> wow. Yes. That sounds great. I hope they did it in costume. What a- yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Great to see them. Pull uh, up to Julie Don Cole yeah. did not know the rock in the chocolate room she was dropping down onto to smash the watermelon-sized chocolate egg was real, and she badly mm. cut her left knee falling onto it. If you watch carefully in her first clip with the egg, you can see her left stocking is bloody. She still has a scar on her knee from the injury. God, not safe. That that uh, release form they had to sign for the in the movie must have been real. <laughs> <laughs> They tricked them and made it seem like a prop. (laughs) Uh, It's said that Roald Dahl was reportedly so angry with the treatment of his book, mainly stemming from the massive rewrite by David Seltzer, that he refused permission for the book's sequel, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. That's why we never got that. To be filmed, Seltzer had an idea for a new sequel, but legal issues meant that it never got off the ground. Whoops. Oh, interesting. The movie shot in... Munich. Munich, Germany. But the producers had to go outside of Germany to recruit enough little people to play the Oompa Loompas. Many of the people who cast as the Oompa Loompas, German or otherwise, did not speak English fluently, if at at all. This is why some appear to not know what the words to the songs are during the musical numbers. Hmm. Makes sense. What a confusing situation. (laughs) Right? They're like, here, wear this orange makeup and these matching suits and go out here and then pretend like you're singing to the song while dancing. Right. And they're like, whatever, just where's my yeah, paycheck? I get, in my I get money for this, right? <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm I need to know. I'm not falling for this again. Yeah, right. All right, now we move on to the trivia for the, uh, the reboot, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Forty squirrels were trained for the scene where they pounce on, upon Veruca Salt in the nut-shelling room. 
Those were real? I thought those were all CGI. Is she okay? <laughs> I guess. A bunch of squirrels would probably hurt. Yeah, maybe. Hopefully they didn't bite. Uh, to his surprise, Deep Roy played every Oompa Loompa, repeating the same movement several hundred times. While these were then put together digitally, each Oompa Loompa represents a separate performance by Roy. In recognition of this, Roy's salary w- was raised to $1 million. That's a lot of money. Well, that's, that's pretty good that he worked that deal out. Yeah. Nestle provided one Nestle. Nestle. I don't know how to say that. Yeah, Nestle. There's an accent, so I can't. Mm-hmm. Should be Nestle from the look of the little accent there. Yeah, maybe it is. We'll say that then. Nestle provided one thousand eight hundred and fifty bars of real chocolate. That didn't seem like enough. No, I was gonna say <laughs> what did they, they hardly is worth recognizing. It's they probably manufactured that in an hour at their plant, yeah, or a minute at this point. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Willy Wonka's colorful cane is actually filled with Nerds candy, which are sold under the Willy Wonka brand. Cool. Screenwriter John August had never even seen Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory from 71 when asked by Tim Burton to write the script. I don't know. How do you get away with that? After finishing the screenplay, he finally watched the 71 version, only to be surprised at how much darker the family movie was compared to his own. Hmm. I mean, eh, not really. No. No, not really. (laughs) There are some moments, but... yeah. In the same room as the machine that makes the three-course meal gum, there are large rotating drums that look like bowls filled with color bowls. These are really machines that make large jawbreakers or gobstoppers, which are sold under the Willy Wonka brand. Oh, those are the actual machines. Well. Interesting. Now we know I never would have thought they would have yeah, had access to the real, real uh, machines. That's cool. Uh, Liz Smith, who played Grandma Georgina, stated in an interview on AskMen.com that she read the scripts for both of the grandmothers and picked the one that got to kiss Johnny Depp, and it was lovely, <laughs> she recalled. <laughs> Old bird. Oh the, the singing voice of the Oompa Loompas belongs to that of Danny Elfman, who overdubbed himself dozens of times. Hmm. Charlie's father works at a toothpaste factory, which produces Smilex toothpaste. Smilex was also the name of the poisonous gas concocted by the Joker in Batman. He also directed by Tim Burton. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Appropriate for both. That is really great. I love that there's a little bit of a crossover. Uh, some of the buttons in the glass elevator include incompetent fools, T-bone steak jello, Secretarial Poodles, Cocoa Cats, <laughs> Mechanical Clouds, Stars in Their Pies, Nice Plums, <laughs> Up and Out, Fragile Eggs, Black Box of Frogs, mm. Weird Lollipops, Mighty Jam Monitor, Creative Dog Flip, Elastic Forest, Leaky Canes, and Dessert Island. Well, I'll go there. Or is that Desert Island? No, I think um, it's Dessert. I think I'll have the Cocoa Cats, so sun best. Yeah. Just chocolate. I might try the yeah. T-bone steak Jello. Ugh. I like uh-huh. I like T-bone steak, but Jello is it still the like, bone. I guess it does. <laughs> Jello is made. I'm from pretty like convinced my elevator is stuck on incompetent fools <laughs> in my life. <laughs> That's where I always end up. I am gonna check out Secretarial Poodle, so I got to see what that looks like. Uh, Mechanical in, clouds. <laughs> yeah, that sounds interesting. In early 2003, Gregory Peck was offered the role of Grandpa Joe. He told Warner Brothers he would consider it, but he passed away before he could give them an answer. 
Peck's family has said in interviews that he only hesitated because he didn't want to seem desperate and take a big pay cut, and that he was really looking forward to playing Grandpa Joe. Well, that sucks. Aww. Yeah. That happens. Johnny Depp once started in an interview that he was that he based Willy Wonka performance on how he imagined former U.S. President George W. Bush would act while stoned. <laughs> oh That's God, very particular. What? Okay, then. That is insane. Why would you... Uh, J- All right, then. Julie Don Cole, the original Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, went and saw a preview of this movie, this the, the reboot, with her then 12-year-old son. After they walked out of the theater, she asked him what he thought of the movie, and he reportedly said, Mom, it's much better than yours. Oh! Wow. What? It's not. Man. And now, does anyone want to adopt a 12-year-old boy? That kid's at an adoption center <laughs> not being adopted. <laughs> not being adopted. There you go. <laughs> Given good manners, you will go far. You will live in well, thank you very much for listening and joining us for our first episode of 2022. Uh, lots more to come, lots more movies and reboots, because they're never going to stop making them, and we're never going to stop watching them. I am Matt, support a writer, read a book. I'm Isabel. Uh, I don't know what to say. Wonderful. Bye. <laughs> and this is Big Brother Sully, as always, signing out with a big old Nerds Unite. You want to say Nerds Unite? All right. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Right to the heart. Bye. (laughs) Nope.